We have a lot to be grateful for. In fact, if you look at it, Thursday, we spend the first half of the day until 6 o'clock when Black Friday shopping starts on Thanksgiving now, celebrating all the things that we're grateful for. And then the majority of the people now, they say, do most of their shopping for Christmas on Black Friday. And, or on, on Thanksgiving. And so I think as we look at this today, my heart and, and prayer is that we would look at our lives and say, Jesus, we're so grateful for what you've done in and through our lives. And, and for me, about two years ago, and, and we've shared this uh, a few times, but when, when God does something big in your life, you can't help but share it. You know, when I, when I married Meg, you know, we posted all over social media, right? And I, I was so blessed that God gave me her. And two years ago, we were had just gotten done with Thanksgiving, and our, our, our daughter ended up getting sick and, and uh, kept taking her back to the doctors and ended up coming down with pneumonia. And I'll never forget that feeling of, of helplessness. As, as my daughter, um, she was taking two ambulance rides in one day, three hospitals, and the doctor said, hey, we may have to intubate her. Here's what's going on. She, we've never seen a kid move this fast. But I remember the feeling that we had of other believers coming around us and encouraging us and uplifting us. How many of you have found that the times that you went through the most difficult circumstances, the Lord drew near to you the most? And I'd say he never leaves us, but it's the times that we recognize it often the most, right? And I remember um, our good friends, the, the cast lines came, and they, they visited us in the hospital. And this is a family who, who they had lost their own uh, child at three years old. And, and I just thought, here's people who have gratitude, and they love the Lord no matter what circumstances go through. And I remember getting Ellie home from the hospital on uh, December 23rd, and, and I didn't care what happened. That was going to be the best Christmas that we would ever have. And I was grateful for what Jesus had done in our family, and just to get in to hold our, our, our daughter and having our family all together. But today we're going to look at a, a situation where there's going to be 10 people who have these circumstances. They have this disease, leprosy, in which their body was literally rotting away and wasting away. And Jesus was able to reach into the depths of their hearts and, and into their lives and to change them, bring healing. But we're going to look at what does it mean that once Jesus changes our lives, that we come back with grateful attitudes and hearts. How many of you have been impacted by Jesus Christ? How many of you know that you are not the same person that you used to be? I find it interesting that when you first meet a first-time Christian, someone who just became a believer and, and they've just accepted Christ, they want to tell everyone that they can, right? And then over time, something happens within us that we start to become a little callous. But I want to start off with these two verses here, and then we're going to jump in. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 17 for most of today. But First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Friends, you might be here this morning, and the last service that you want to hear, a message you want to hear is being grateful. You might be thinking, God, if you loved me, why would you be letting me go through the situation I'm in? But we're to give praise and thanks in every situation. Psalm 106 verses 1 for 2 says, Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? Good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and then we're going to dive into Luke 17.
Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. Lord, we know that you are good, that you are faithful. Even in the midst of hardship or tragedy, Lord, you are faithful. And when we remain faithless, you are faithful. And Lord Jesus, I pray that this morning we would be lifted and moved with gratitude for what you've done in our hearts. Lord, I pray that those that may be here that don't know you today would leave here being healed. And Lord, that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In your precious name, amen. I'm going to start here in Luke chapter 17 today. And just to, to set the scene a little bit is, is, is Jesus was on his journey to Jerusalem. And we're going to cover that in a few minutes. He, he always made sure to find time for people. That people mattered to Jesus because that was what his ministry was about. His ministry was about proclaiming the good news and, and the gospel and to, to radically change people's lives. And so if we're to be imitators of Jesus Christ, if we're to be his followers, then we need to be like him. And I find that hard. A lot of times it seems like when God brings people in our lives that need the most time or prayer, it's when we're busiest. And we, we struggle to find the time to stop. But let's look here as we read Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now it's interesting if we look at the first verse, verse 11 here, it says that now on his way to Jerusalem, we see this uh, in the book of Mark many times where it says, and Jesus was on his way. His way was to the cross where he would lay down his life for us. And in Luke, we see the same thing over and over again. This time it says he's on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus was on mission, but he never forgot what his mission was about. I believe it's easy for us to forget about what our mission is about. It, it, it's so easy to forget the fact that we are here not because of anything we've done, but by what Jesus Christ has done. And that our hope and our faith come in him and in prayer and reliance on him. And so today we're going to look and, and we're going to see the fact that, that, that we need to lay ourselves before God and say, Jesus, I don't care what this world has for me. I want to follow and serve you. And so we see this many times in the book, this phrase, on his way to Jerusalem. Now he's heading on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And if you see on the, the next page here, it's, it's on the, the upper area. And if you know anything about uh, Samaritans, Samaritans and Jews did not get along. In fact, they, they had great disdain for each other. So much so that, that the Samaritans would often uh, cause injury or, or sometimes kill or steal from the Jews. And the Jews would, would do likewise and they would burn down their, their places of worship. And they had this whole mindset and idea of the fact that the 
Jews believed that you had to truly worship in Jerusalem. And, and the, the Gentiles and the Samaritans believed that, that you would worship God on the mountain. And so there was this conflict going on between them. And so, in fact, when Jesus talks about the good Samaritan, it's an oxymoron to them. It doesn't make sense because how could a Samaritan be good? How many of us have looked at people before and thought, God, you can save anyone, but I know that person won't ever turn their life to you. And how many of us forget where we once were without Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that we don't know every single thought or every single thing that each other has done. There'd be no one in this church next Sunday if that happened, because we'd be like, that's a scary group of people. But there was this feud going on. And so you, you see this, and Jesus had a few interactions with Samaritans. And Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, he has, has one that ties into the, today's message with, with um, the Good Samaritan, where, where this, this Good Samaritan was the only one that would stop and help this fellow Jew that was beaten up on the side of the road and left for dead. The Jews would just, other Jews that passed him and the priests would just step by, but the Samaritan took compassion and mercy on him. And, 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 and so Jesus is, is setting the tone, the fact that, hey, we're only good by what he has done in us. There's nothing good on my own. Dan Kenyon is not a, a, a good person. I'm a sinful, fallen person, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, he has made me whole. And then we come to the Samaritan leper in Luke 17 that we're talking about today. Again, Jesus reaching out. Jesus is strategic. He's on his way. But the gospel isn't just for a select few. It's for all who would believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus comes down for this area where, where people that the Jews hated and then in John chapter 4, we see the woman at the well, and, and Jesus breaks a few norms here. First of all, he reaches into the life of this woman, and he's talking to her, which breaks the cultural norms. And then he goes, and he, 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 she's a Samaritan. And what's interesting is, as Jesus talks to her, he tells her everything that she's done wrong, and what does she do? She runs and goes and tells everyone, come see this man that told me everything I've done wrong. How many of you would be like, sign me up for that, Right? Why? Because she knew that something was different. Hope Church, if the world sees the fact that, hey, we are fallen, broken people who Jesus Christ has radically changed, there's not enough programs in the world that would be able to make a bigger impact than that, than the gospel and changing your life and mine. And so we, we continue here, and, and in verse 12 we, we start off and it says as He was going into the village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, it was a disease that at the time there was absolutely no cure. There was nothing that you can do. And literally, your flesh would start to rot. And you had to stand at a distance. You couldn't be near anyone else. So you can never hold your children. You can never hold your wife. You can never feel the warmth of, of, of another person's embrace. In fact, you would be left to feel a little bit less than human. I believe that sin does the same thing to us. You know, even as a follower of Christ, there's times where the enemy makes me think, Dan, he'll, he'll never love you. I know that Jesus laid his life upon the cross because he finds value in us. 
and he wants to restore us. He wants to make us whole. And, and so here's these lepers, and they're, they're outside. What's interesting in this passage is the fact that there are nine Jews, and then there's one Samaritan. All of a sudden, when they realize they're in the same boat, guess what? Those differences went away, and they were able to be together because they were in the same plight of knowing that they had no hope other than Jesus saving them. There's not a single one of us in this room that can escape death without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so our our Kent Hughes says this in his commentary to describe this passage. He says that you may know the truth like this. On the outskirts of an unnamed village, the the village name didn't matter to Jesus here. The people did. But on the borderlands of Samaria and Galilee, ten leprous men stood before Jesus in various stages of decay, their clothing torn in perpetual mourning, their skeletal heads uncovered, their lips unveiled as they warned others, unclean, unclean. They looked as though they had climbed out of the graves, but they were alive, listen to this, sensitive human beings. Feeling souls living in the never-ending world of society's fringe while they rotted away. So from a safe distance, they shouted at the traditional plea, Jesus, Master, have pity. Literally have mercy on us. Have mercy. Mercy, please. Now there's a lot to this passage here. But it's interesting that in our brokenness is when we find that we, we call out in the name of Jesus. When things are going well, it's so easy to overlook it. But these men had no other options. Their life and everything about them had faded away. But there's something about Jesus that drew them to him. And so this would mean no longer seeing your wife, your children, your spouse, your parents, your friends. This understand that you never again feel the touch of a human being, the smell of your own rotting flesh would be such a strong offense that you can never forget the plight or life that you were in. And so they were to left on the outskirts, rotting to die. And they were viewed as a little bit less than human. What's interesting here is that that as all these divisions went away, the cry out to Jesus united them. I don't know about you if you've ever been in situations where you heard complete anguish and despair. And I remember there was a a number of years ago, one of my best friends, his his father passed away. And uh, I still pray for him. He's I love him like a brother, but I pray that he comes to know Christ. And I remember sitting there at the funeral and hearing him, his moan and cry out. And there's something haunting that, that will still stick with me to the end of my day. And, and, and it was that hopelessness feeling and, and the desire that, that I, I had for him is that he would come to know Jesus and his life would be changed and find the hope that, that, that I had found. But as we look here, this is the same cry that these people had. There was nowhere else to go. And so they had to come close to the master, but he couldn't, they couldn't even get close to him. You see, we all have the same condition, and that condition is sin, and it separates us from the master. And, and when we do that, it, it makes us feel a little bit less than human. It makes us feel like, like we're unworthy. I, I still remember times where I just felt, you know, Lord, no way you could love me. But, you know, I've seen what Jesus has done in bringing things alive. 
That he's changed my father. He's changed my family. He's brought hope in my life. And he can bring hope in yours. How many of you have found that hope in Jesus Christ? How many of us have friends and family members that know the hope that we have found? Is it on our lips and our tongue so strong that we say, Jesus, you receive all the glory. And so here they are here and they're stuck in this situation. And and so just like the leprosy and we deal with our, our sin, Jesus is able to heal it and make us whole. In fact, it says that he removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. You know, a, a number of years ago, I got to teach, uh, I got asked to teach an after-school program in a public school in uh, Canton, and they said, hey, we need, we need good positive stories for the kids. Will you come in and do Bible lessons? I'm like, huh, sure. <laughs> so I got to go in and, uh, well, if I'm going to teach the Bible, I'm going to share the gospel. And so I start sharing the gospel, and there was this fourth grade boy, Joseph, and he heard the gospel, and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. If I give my life to Jesus, he takes away all the junk, all the bad things I've ever done, and he makes me clean. And I'm like, well, that's right. He goes, who would want to live their whole life carrying around that junk? And I said, I don't know. So he prayed to receive Christ, and then he went home, told his family, and then I got kicked out of the school. But I'm grateful. (laughs) I'm very grateful that, that God gave me the opportunity. But in verse 14, Jesus gives them this command. He says, when he saw them, he said, go and wash yourself or show yourselves to the priest. And they went and they were what? Cleansed. And so we see here that Jesus gives them this command. And it's interesting. Jesus is continuing on with the Mosaic regulations that is found in Leviticus 14, where if you were healed of leprosy, which never happened unless there was a miraculous encounter, which had only happened for Jesus, they would go and they would present themselves to the priest. And after eight days of purification, if they still didn't have the leprosy, then they were allowed to regain their normalcy and come back to life. And so Jesus sends them on their way to do this. And you think about this. You haven't seen your family for years. You you probably thought they would never see you again. Your family probably is grieving but still moving on. And so this happens to them. And Jesus tells them to go and wash them or go and show themselves to the priests. Hughes describes a scene like this. It was a mass healing. There was no mirrors to reflect the dramatic change. But they saw it in each other instantly. From, from cadaverous faves, reemerging um, ears, noses, eyebrows, lashes, hairlines, feet, toeless, ulcerated stubs were suddenly made whole. Burst and shrunken sandals became, uh, <clears throat> became exploded with new life. Knobby appendages grew fingers. Ulcers in the skins became soft and supple. It was like 10 new births happened in the dust of a wild celebration quickly became into a brilliant sunlight. Friends, Christ wants to do the same thing with us. He wants to take the dead. He wants to take the parts of our life that are rotting and make it new and bring life in it. And guess what? He wants to do that here in our church as well. He wants to take the things that that from the outside we look and say, God, there's nothing that could ever change this but for Jesus. And here's what happens. There's no circumstance in your life or mine that Jesus is not able to overcome. 
There's no relationship. There's no sin. There's, there's, there's nothing that he can help, help us overcome. And these men found this out in a real way that Jesus did something in their life. And so they go off. You know, there's no program in the world that would be able to do the radical transformation in Brunswick, Ohio, that the testimonies of believers radically changed by Jesus Christ could do. You know, there's 37,000 people estimated in Brunswick, Ohio. Out of those 37,000 people, I know that they're not all in churches. I know that they don't all know Jesus Christ. But if believers here at Hope Church, and we need to pray for our surrounding churches in, in Brunswick, would say, here's what Jesus Christ has done in my life. I once struggled with alcohol addiction, but God saved me. I once struggled with, went through a divorce, but Jesus worked miracles in my life. And, and, and we hear the miracles of what Jesus has changed. Guess what? We're not going to be able to contain people from coming here to Hope Churches and the churches around us. And so we need to, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, declare what he's done. And so we continue seeing this in verse 15. It says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now there's a lot to be said here. And in fact, there was ten that was healed, but only one came back. And when he came back, though, it says he came back in a loud voice. The Greek translation has the same wording as a megaphone. So he wasn't just quietly going, it, going along his path, like, doesn't matter anyway, like Eeyore, right? Like he's celebrating. Jesus has changed his life. They start looking around as they're walking to, to go to, towards the priest, and their whole life is healed. They're seeing, oh, dude, your nose just grew back, right? Like, like not in Pinocchio kind. Their flesh was growing back. They're seeing life change. How many of you have been encouraged by seeing Christ work in another believer here? I know I see it, and I'm like, man, Jesus, you're alive. You're working in our lives. And, and so this man comes back in a loud voice, and what he does is he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. It says on the end there, why does it say he was a Samaritan? First of all, who is, who's a lot of the audience Jesus is talking to? A lot of them are... Jewish people who had a hard time believing that God could do anything for the Samaritans. Jesus is, if you look back to his other accounts, he's saying this man gets it. He's coming back to not worship a, a, a priest. He's coming to worship Jesus, the one that created him and healed him. And so there was 10 that went off. But after all, what was Jesus' command to them? Go and show yourself to the priest. So, honestly, this is the one guy who didn't listen, <laughs> right? There's always that rebel who, who, who likes to rebel. And, and so this guy comes. Why does he come to him? Because he wanted to go to the source of the healing. He wanted to go to the person who brought him, to the high priest, the one who is king of all kings. And so he knew he had to come back to Jesus. So something inside of him was growing so strong that he couldn't leave and go back. It's, Hughes calls it, an irresistible act of gratitude. He was so grateful that he couldn't help but run to Jesus while shouting out praise to the Lord. Friends, do people hear us proclaiming the truth of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us and rejoicing? I don't know about you, but how many of you like to be around people who, who are grateful? 
You don't see that that much in our culture. But this is key. Then in front of everyone with no regard for what anyone thought of him. Remember, he was on the outskirts of the town his whole life. Left to, left to, to die and rot away with no one to be there for him. He threw himself down prostrate at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He didn't care if people said, what is this guy doing? Because his life was changed. A a believer whose life is radically changed is going to be contagious to other people. And they're not going to care about what people think of them if they're giving glory to God. Because it's not about them. It's about what Jesus has done. And so in A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, he talks about how after coming to a life-changing experience with, with Jesus, that, that when he would prepare for his sermons, he'd prepare for church, he would lay himself down face first in his office and humble himself and say, Lord Jesus, you deserve the glory. Would you show me what you want me to do? What would happen if we would say, Jesus, let today be about your glory? Lord, let me reach people today. Let me love people like you, but let me tell people of what you've done in my life. And so this leper thanks Jesus because we see in the Old Testament that it is also a part of our worship is to be filled with gratitude towards him. Sunday mornings are just a time that we come to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done in our life. When Meg would write me letters when we were dating, I would read those letters over and over again and I'd keep them. Yet Jesus Christ gives us his word and we don't open it. We don't crack it. When we have grateful hearts, we say, Lord Jesus, I want to spend more time with you. I want to know you more. And it's contagious to other people. And so as we, we continue to look here, we come to verse 17. It says this, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now I want to hit on something here. At the end of verse 16, it says, and he was a Samaritan. Here in verse 17, Jesus says, has only this foreigner returned to us? How many of you know that those who have been radically saved (laughs) the most are often the ones who like to proclaim it and tell their people more. Can I tell you this? That there's no different level of sin that causes any less death and separation from Jesus Christ apart from him. That whether it doesn't matter what you do, that we are all in need of Jesus Christ. And, and so we look at people and we think, God, you can never save them, but, but Jesus saved me and I know I don't deserve it. We live in a world that needs to know that there's hope in Jesus Christ. They're not going to find hope on the news or in the media. And, and, and so Jesus makes a statement, though, we're not all ten cleansed. And so at first glance, uh, it could appear that Jesus is, is disappointed. And, and yes, he wants us to come back with grateful hearts. And some commentators believe that, that Jesus didn't actually know that they weren't all going to return. But I... I I disagree with that. You look at Jesus and you look at his ministry when his disciples were talking behind him on, on the road about who would be the greatest or who would sit at the right hand or left, left of Jesus, that, that, that he knew what they were saying even without hearing their speech. The fact that Jesus knows every single thing about us and yet he loves us the same. 
And so Jesus knew that this man would return. And part of this whole thing is the Samaritan is the fact that the gospel is meant to go out through all the world. And you and I can't decide who it's for. But one thing is that when we come to Christ, he bids us to come and die. Die to ourselves, die to our sin, and come to newness in life with Jesus. Now, do you think that these other nine were grateful? Yeah. They're back with their families. They're back with their life. How many of you are grateful for someone in your life who's been encouragement, right? It is good to be grateful for people. But our ultimate gratitude must come in Jesus Christ and thank him for what he's done for us. He is the author, perfecter of all things and brings us all good things. And so they were grateful and their praise and gratitude just wasn't towards Christ. Now, Jesus says at the end of verse 18, has only this one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner. Now, on the surface, it could seem like Jesus was diminishing this man's status because of his standing as a Samaritan, but instead, Jesus is using it to show this man had the proper view of worship. We see this in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman where he tells her that there's going to become a time and place where people won't, worship just in the temple or on the hill, that they'll worship him in spirit and truth. True believers, when Jesus Christ has changed your life, you can worship him and praise him for what he has done. You know, as I was uh, sitting in the first service, my son was standing next to me and uh, started getting choked up because we're seeing uh, canons. We're seeing, I'm so unworthy and still you love me. And my hand was resting on his chest and I felt the reverberation from him singing in my hand. And it touched my heart as a father. And I thought, how much does it touch the heart of God to hear his children? To have his children draw near to him, say, Jesus, you can take this world, you can have all it is, but give me Jesus. It blesses his heart and it's contagious to other people. And so perhaps today God is calling us to be more like the Samaritan and say, Jesus, we don't care what this world thinks. We're going to serve you. And lastly, in verse 19, perhaps there is not a more profound verse in this whole section. Here, Jesus makes the statement, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The Greek wording literally translates into, your faith has saved you or your faith has healed you. And so this man who was broken and and in desperate of need of, of physical healing, not only found that physical healing, but because of who he knew Jesus to be, found spiritual healing. It's not enough to just know about Jesus, but we need to put our trust in him. It wasn't simply recognizing Jesus could heal him, saving him. It was his faith and understanding of who Jesus was and his status. By healing this man, Jesus, and and, and coming in faith in Jesus, it was once again demonstrated that Jesus came to save all mankind. What would it look like if the gospel so changes that God would send out missionaries from our church all over the world? Send pastors, people to proclaim the gospel. And more than all the physical healing that he had received, being reconciled to the creator of the universe far outweighed anything that he could have ever had. He was a man whose body was the king, separated from those whom he had loved in society, and separated from God, not because of his outward decay, but his inward decay from sin. And Jesus heard his prayer and cry for help, and the man was made completely whole. Some of you might need to be made completely whole today. You might be here, and you've, 
you've given your life to Christ, but there's some areas where you've allowed some decay to happen. There might be some areas even in our church that, that as we look at it, we've, we can take our eyes off what's really important. At the end, I'm not going to be asked. I don't want to hear, hear God's not going to tell me, good job, faithful pastor and person who showed up on Sundays or Wednesdays. I want to hear him say, good job, faithful servant, well done. Not because of, I do this because this is, this is just my job or calling, but because I was faithful to love on him. And I want to hear other people hear that same word. And so as we get ready to leave here today, I wonder, I have a few questions for us here at the end. And first question is this, is what has Christ saved you from? You know, Wednesday we did hashtag thankful. Today is hashtag grateful. Do other people know what Jesus has saved you from? I believe a lot of times the world looks at us and thinks, well, I'll, I can never be part of their group because of what I've done. Man, if only they knew what Jesus has saved us from. Some of us are running away from our testimonies because we're ashamed of it. And hey, there's things in our past that, man, I'm grateful that Jesus has forgiven and covered. But some of those things, Jesus might want to use you to build into other people's lives and say, here's where I was, but here's where Jesus brought me. Jesus never says, you're, you're, you're healed, your sins are forgiven, and leaves it like that. He says, go and what? Sin no more. Not because Jesus wants to ruin their party, because there's life in Jesus. He doesn't want that death to continue. And so what are the areas in your life that, that were decaying and rotting that he brought new life into? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person in this room who is better than another person standing with God apart from Jesus Christ. When I have right standing with Jesus Christ, it's because of or God, it's because of what Jesus has done for me, not because of what I have done. Secondly, do you have a grateful heart for what he has done for you? It's so easy to slip into a doom and gloom mentality when Jesus has paid the price. Thirdly, do you tell others about what Christ has done for you? The Bible calls us to go and spread the news. And, and this hideous thing called sin that is in our life, that Jesus has overcome and that Jesus has paid the final price upon the cross. But aren't you glad that it didn't end at the cross? That three days later, Jesus rose again. And so with our dying to ourselves, we die to Christ. Say, Jesus, you can have all of me. But then what he does is he rises again to new life and gives us hope. And that hope is something that the world cannot take away. And lastly, my question is, today the day that Jesus Christ is calling you to be made whole and complete. You might be here today and you're feeling like one of the lepers, like you're on the outside, like this is good and all, but I can never be like these people in this room. Well, hey, if we're all sinners saved by grace, there's always room for one more sinner, right? But Jesus can change our lives, and he has. And there's nothing that you could have ever done that would push you outside of the boundaries of God's love. So I wonder today how many here in this room are in need of maybe feeling that healing for the first time in their life. Friends, there's nothing that Christ can't heal us from. There's no broken marriage. There's no, no addiction. There's no struggle. And I'm sure if you surveyed this room, there's not a single person in this room that hasn't dealt with what you're feeling today. But when we repent and we turn our hearts to Christ, he makes all things new.
In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, we see this beautiful picture here. It says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The Samaritans and the, ten, the other nine lepers, they felt healing, but that Samaritan felt times of refreshing. How many of you have, in the darkest hours, felt those times of refreshing in the Lord? How easily do we forget those times? Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from dead, you will be saved. And so today I want to give you an opportunity here. Maybe you are, are in that situation where you have never given your life to Christ. And God is saying, listen, I'm calling you today to make you whole, to heal you. Don't wander around with death and decay inside. Today I want to make you whole and I want to make you my child. If that's you today, I just want to give you an opportunity here. And, and this is just a prayer if that's all it is to you. But if today it's a surrendering saying, Lord Jesus, I want to live for you. Jesus, would you come to my heart? Would you make me a new person? Would you clean out the junk? Would you clean out the death and decay and make me whole because I want to live for you? Guess what? Jesus hears that cry and he comes in and makes us a new person. And that's why we meet here today to celebrate the resurrected Jesus and the Jesus who has changed our lives. And Hope Church, as we leave here, let's leave here with grateful hearts of what Jesus has done. And let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's tell the world that Jesus Christ has radically changed our lives. And let's see the city of Brunswick won for the gospel. Not by any programs or anything that we, we could do, but because of by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are set free. So I want to lead you in a prayer. If you just, in the stillness of this moment, as the worship team comes up, if that's you today, you just pray this in your heart with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've fallen short. I admit that I can't do it on my own. Jesus, I cry out to you. I ask you to come into my life to, to heal me, to change me, to make me new. And I surrender my life to you. And Lord, I want to follow you. In your precious name, amen. I want to tell you there's more rejoicing over heaven, over one person who has come to know Christ. If that was you today, and if you did that, we encourage you to come talk to us. We'd love to pray for you. And we'd love for you to become part of our body here and celebrate what Jesus Christ has done in all of us. And for the rest of us, I pray that this week God would stir in our hearts to share with someone the good news of what Jesus Christ has done not just for the world, but in our lives personally. And as we close here, um, the altar's open. If you just want to come and give thanks to God for what he's done for your life, you can do that. You can do that in singing or standing or sitting. But let's be, let this last song be a time where we just say, Jesus, I need you. And then if you need prayer, we're here for you for that as well. Amen.